0: the Faith podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the 17th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of October 2nd, 2022. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited because, wow, where has the year gone? We are already into these Sundays in October. It's crazy to think about that here we are in that changing time we're definitely now in that shoulder season if you're in the southern hemisphere heading into summer and if you're in the northern hemisphere heading into winter this middle season either called spring or fall and it's interesting to kind of be in these shoulder seasons as we are then also in the last few Sundays of Luke by the end of November we will be transitioning into Matthew so we kind of have these difficult text coming at us right here at the end some things to make us continue to think and continue to slog through some of these difficult texts and this week is no different but we have to look at last week's question which is kind of funny because I didn't exactly give a direct question but I kind of had something at the beginning as we approach episode 250 which now this will be episode 248 and nearly 5 years of the podcast would people appreciate an episode of me kind of digging into a little bit more of behind the scenes and hear a little bit more details on the podcast and this is something i'm still waiting to hear some more responses on i'm kind of leaning toward i'll try doing it partially because i think there's some things as i've reflected a little bit on this and as i've been thinking about what has this podcast all meant what is it all accomplished, not only for me, but just in growing in faith and growing in this understanding. And yes, continuing to solidify that I feel that this is more and more, it should be something that's talked about more. I think there's things that I think I need to kind of open up a little bit more about and kind of talk a little bit about. And not necessarily purely just for my own healing, but also for others to kind of recognize that there is some value to what we can be doing when going through scripture this intentionally and this often. And I think it's one of those things that I'm hoping can be used as a motivator to kind of continue to dig in. And I think that's one of the things that, again, this podcast has the potential of doing is getting people into the scriptures one additional time other than Sunday morning. And that can be a huge impact on our lives. And I kind of would actually enjoy kind of telling a little bit of that story and how it's impacted me in ways that I never expected five years ago when I first started this so I'm leaning toward I'll probably do something and I'll probably be after 250 episodes but I'd still love to hear your kind of feedback on that and what you think about that but this week we have a lot of text We have some really fun places to go. We have something that I've kind of been thinking about and I think I've talked a little bit about before in the past, but I want to dig a little bit deeper into, especially that there's been some more research going into it, and we get to talk about one of... The fascinating creatures on this planet that people seem to really enjoy, elephants. So buckle in, let's hang tight, and let's get into these texts this week. The alternative reading from the Old Testament, we actually have two from Lamentations this week. So first, Lamentations 1, 1 through 6, We have to remember the book of Lamentations here is a lament talking about the fall of Jerusalem, that Babylon has come in, they have destroyed the city, and so now you're having this lament, this cry out to God, this pain that we get, and Especially here in chapter one, you get this image of a woman weeping over the city. And as she's being exiled out of the city or having to leave the city forcibly. And the grief that this has been, that this is something that, you know, God has promised, that God has said that it was going to happen. And it's kind of this lament of, oh, this hurts, that this suddenly is being stripped From us. And then as you get into the second reading of Lamentation, Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 through 26, you kind of have a little bit of that continuing of that, but there is a little hope coming in here, starting in verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. So, in this text, in this book of lament and how difficult all of this is, is the recognition of how God continues to provide hope and that the trust of how God will provide a way and will get us through these difficult situations, but also recognizing that it's through God that our salvation is recognized and able to happen. And it's this beautiful text of then giving hope in a very difficult situation. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 137. And this is again, this lament remembering Zion, remembering Jerusalem, and remembering how they were having to leave this place. And the author of this psalm, trying to remind the people to remind us of how difficult it was and watching the devastation of Jerusalem fall, having it being absolutely destroyed and being exiled out of there and recognizing how they are setting their rock on something greater than just the city. They're setting their rock on something of Christ, on God to be able to provide for them. The other alternative Old Testament text this week is out of Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 and chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. This is an interesting place where you have the author recognizing that this is before the Babylonians have come in and destroyed Jerusalem, but recognizing that there is a lot of idol worship, there's a lot of injustice, and instead of necessarily putting it to blame, it's the questions on, why is God allowing this to happen? Why is there so much evil in the world? Why is God allowing all this trouble? And we get then the response in chapter two that God's saying, I am seeing this. I am seeing the pain that's going on. But recognize that through your faith and through the recognition of the faith that you have, that this is where my spirit will continue to start bringing out where we are going and be able to help bring faith to where we are moving and be able to provide insight into where we are going. The psalm that goes with that then is Psalm 37 verses 1 to 9. This psalm is then recognizing that as long as we are trusting in the Lord and delighting in what God is doing and committing to who Christ is, that this is going to allow the light within us to shine and thus being able to propel us and guide us into the places on where God is wanting us to be. That this is the undeniable thing that's going to change us is this recognition and faith in who God is and moving us forward in that direction. The epistle text or second reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 1 to 14. This is the beginning of four weeks in 2 Timothy. And this text, I think in a lot of places is the text that's going to be preached. It's a little bit easier. This is a letter that Paul is writing to Timothy while he's on death row, probably some of his last communication. But the really kind of popular part of this is the recognition of the faith line on where Timothy or the reader of this is going to be getting their faith. It starts in verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eugene, and now I am sure lives in you. And then reminding of how God's Spirit does not say that this is something that's a burden, but it's something that's pushing us forward, that we're a prisoner of Christ in that we are trying to live out this way of life that is commending us and moving us forward and guiding us to where we will go. And not being ashamed of recognizing this, but being embodying this and recognizing that this is a part of who we are and that this is something that's of great value to us is to recognize the Holy Spirit working within us. The gospel text this week is out of Luke chapter 17 verses 5 to 10. And my recommendation for this is you need a little bit more context. And so I would say, begin with those first four verses. And it's the disciples who are coming to him, and they're wondering how many times in a way should they forgive. They're kind of wondering about some of this stuff and when they're caused to stumble you get this recognition in verse 2 then of a millstone being hung around their neck and being thrown in the sea one of the things that's easy to overlook is that the milling would have been done by females in this culture at this time so this would have been a very humiliating death something that not only are you being thrown into the sea with a huge millstone that's going to cause you to sink but you're being brought down by something of the women's labor where, again, at this time and in this place, the culture didn't look at women in the same regard as they do here and now. And so then they're asking Jesus, how many times do we forgive? And this is where Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times, and that he's asking for faith. And that's where then you begin in verse five, where the apostles are asking for then an increase in their faith. And the ward then gives this response of if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea. And then gets into this we admittedly weird example of how you're having a slave who is working the fields come in and would you not offer them at the table, but rather you're telling them to go and do something else. And do you thank a slave for doing as they are commanded? And recognizing that this is something on, we are being called into the work in which God is calling us into, and are we recognizing that and obeying to where God is calling us to be, and then hearing for those words of God, recognizing that we are doing what we are being called into. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we do a shameless plug's fault. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcasts their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast, and I love having not only their Working Preacher podcast, but also multiple different commentaries, multiple different discussions to be able to look at, think about, and discuss these different texts. So if you haven't checked out WorkingPreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really like how they lay out the text every week, but they also have a lot of different ideas for art, for hymns, for colors, for prayers, things to be thinking about and ways to be able to incorporate this into your day-to-day life and your faith walk. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend that. We've talked about on this podcast before, and I will say, make sure to go back and listen to the podcast that I gave three years ago, talking about comparing how small a mustard seed is, talking a little bit about that in the scheme of where that is. It's still a very, very small seed. But it's this recognition of faith and living out faith is a very difficult thing for us to do. But it's also this understanding of when Jesus is asking, do you not thank the slave for doing what was commanded? We are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. This idea of listening to God and doing where God is calling us to be is sometimes really difficult for us to hear. It's very difficult for us to live out, but it also plays into a little bit of what the Second Timothy text is also talking about, of how faith is passed on and the examples of faith and how important that is in order for the faith to continue. And I think in a lot of ways and where the church is at, that's one of the things that we are wrestling with right now. I know as a youth ministry person, there is plenty of times where I have people coming and talking to me about where are the youth or the youth should be doing X, Y, or Z. And in doing that, it makes it sometimes very difficult to be able to explain that this isn't just something that we're giving for the youth to do, that this should be something that they are joining in on. And like I tipped my hand a little bit earlier, I think there are no better examples of this than elephants, specifically African elephants. And as we probably have heard, African elephants being the largest land mammal on the planet, this majestic creature, they're huge. They're absolutely massive weighing up to six tons and it can be anywhere between 18 to 24 feet tall these animals are huge but as we have kind of learned throughout history and learned as we have studied these creatures We realize how important the family matriarch is within these clans where you have clans between 6 to 20 members, potentially up to 50 members, where they're usually led by an elder female who is then the historian but also helping guide them to the places on where to eat or where to drink in difficult times because of how good their memory is is. But one of the things that has been overlooked over the years, and one of the things that doesn't get talked about a ton, is these African elephant bulls, specifically the young teenage bulls. These young males at some point decide to leave. And in doing this, there has been some interesting things that they have started to realize. Is a lot of these young males come out and are in musk as they discuss and must is this time when they're between the ages of 15 and 18 years old so they're becoming sexually mature and can continue into their 20s and they're having all these hormones and they're you know, looking taller. They're trying to have a little bit more swagger. They're trying to strut a little bit more. They're starting to have this form of where they're having this constant stream of urine coming out of them, basically to say, and I quote coming from an article from BBC Earth stating, here I am, I'm fit. I'm healthy, and I'm looking to mate. So this is this idea of look at me, this idea of I am ready to go. I know what I need to do, and males will end up leaving the clan. It is very typical for African elephants to have where... There may be some small mole male groups, but otherwise they're somewhat have always been seen as fairly much loner groups. Maybe a couple together, but not necessarily interacting with the group par se outside of breeding season due to that. But one of the things that they have started to notice is that this is not exactly the case. And I'll attach some articles down below. But they're realizing, just like the matriarchs within the clans of female elephants, the importance of older bull males is also extremely important. And one of the case studies that they've used is that there have been times where you get these young African elephants in musk, And suddenly, they are starting to find that they are killing rhinoceroses. Now, this isn't common, but this has happened before. But you get where there's been periods of times where they are suddenly getting this uptick and having it be more and more common. What did they find? They found what dramatically changed, and this is going back to the 70s, and it's kind of been confirmed since, is that they brought in six older bull elephants because they realized that a lot of these males that were around were late adolescent elephants. The moment they brought in those six bull elephants, it was within a day. Suddenly, this rush of testosterone and the aggressive behavior diminished. It was completely gone. Suddenly, these delinquent elephants fell into line that there was something different going on. Now, is part of this because in doing that, and I'll see if I can find it again and attach the links down below, African elephants, which is absolutely incredible, is that they can fairly confidently know that they can listen through their feet to be able to hear different interactions with different clans round. But thus, does the bull males, these older bulls made some type of call to be able to let these younger adolescents suddenly realize, oh, snap, we're not suddenly at the top of the food chain, that there's potentially some other competition, some other people that we need to be looking up to. And yes, we might be younger and stronger, but they have maybe more wisdom. To be able to outclass us and that's what settled them down or them realizing that this needs to be adjusted and suddenly there were no more rhinos being killed by these young adolescent elephants. When we are taking this idea and looking at it from a faith perspective and specifically with the text that we have, it helps us recognize how important our elders are to our young people, but it's a two-way street. It's not just the elders showing up, but it's the elders also being there to provide guidance for those younger elephants. Yes, it means that the younger elephants need to have the respect, which means that yes, the elders need to be able to show that they are worthy of respect, but it also means that they have to be willing to share their wisdom in doing that. And this is what gets so interesting when you start looking at these texts, Habakkuk talking about how we need to live our lives in a righteous way to be able to show our faith. The hope that comes from this devastation out of lamentation. the great is our faithfulness, the wisdom that is able to come with that, the recognition to be able to get to that point when things are going crazy. And as being a youth director, there are plenty of times when I talk to young people that they are wrestling with these ideas. They're wrestling with what does this mean? And our lives at that age are just seem to be moving so fast. And sometimes having the wisdom to be able to recognize life will be okay is super important. The recognition of the generations of faith that is talked about here in 2 Timothy are critical. But it's also this recognition and talking about how we can all be that. We can be the apostle or the teacher to help with those who are going through things. We can be the person who helps walk alongside them. And in doing that, we are obeying the calling on who God has called us to be. It's to recognize that, yes, we may have had a long day of work. We may have had a long day of service, but we are still being called into something else. Those six bull elephants they brought in, in the 1970s, into... Philanctes National Park, they've experienced a lot. They don't have anything more to necessarily prove. Sure, they can probably pass on their genetic material, But in that case, they also still were walking and being around those youngsters to kind of be like, hey, that's enough. They were in a presence to be able to help them learn what it meant to be a bull elephant. Within our own faith, are we doing enough things to be able to recognize and be able to look up to the people who have Are of elder status to learn from them the faith. But also on the flip side, if we are in an elder status to someone, are we putting ourselves in the position to be able to share our faith, to share our experiences, to be able to help younger bull elephants or younger female elephants, calf elephants, be able to recognize? There are going to be struggles in this. There are going to be times like when Jerusalem is falling, but remember the promises that God has made to us. Remember these because God has said these. God has fulfilled them. We fell short and God will continue to provide in them. How often and how quickly we are to forget these things. Yes, we might as youngsters wander off and try doing it on our own, maybe hopped up on our own hormones, but then are we walking the faith out as people of the faith enough to have people recognize that we are living in our lives in a way that's different enough to one, have respect and two, to ask. Where the church is, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, is that we are failing on both fronts. Yes, there is a lot of ways where we're not connecting with our young people where they are at to make it so it isn't as relatable to them as it should be. But then we are also failing in the aspect that we aren't willing to walk out the faith in a way that actually shows that this is making a difference in our lives, much less be willing and able to talk about it in a respectful way, being willing and able to recognize and show that our lives are different in some way. These are things that I feel as a global church, we are struggling with, at least here in the United States. I guess I can't say global church because there are places on the globe where the church is expanding. Here in the United States, this is something we desperately struggle with. We are are wondering why these young adolescent elephants are running around and killing rhinos, but no one wants to go up and talk. No one wants to go and be able to walk alongside them and help them. They would much rather sit in their own groups and complain about them. And the issue of where we are is that doesn't allow for us to grow. This isn't allowing us the opportunity to be able to see faith as a child as we are called to see faith as a child. And it doesn't allow us to be able to see the wisdom of the experience that God has provided us and be able to share that legacy with the generations to be able to pass it along. As we are coming out of this long pandemic, as we are looking to reconnect with people, how well are we actually reconnecting with multiple generations? How well are we connecting with people who aren't necessarily the people we'd normally go and talk to? Because there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of things that are going on that we're overlooking. And these are things that we need to be able to look in our face and be able to confront. Because I think a lot of the issues that we're having, just like the Flamberg National Park was having issues with elephants killing rhinos, some of these can be resolved by us actually working together. Some of these are resolved by us interacting with ones that maybe we don't normally interact with, but we need to interact with. This is a call for us to be able to look at the generations of faith and the legacy that's being left behind. So the question I have for you this week is twofold based on your age. If you're older, what is the legacy you're leaving behind? If you're younger, what wisdom are you taking in from others? So if you're older, what legacy are you leaving behind? If you're younger, what wisdom are you taking in currently? These are questions and things that we need to be able to work with. And that's where, yes, we have this difficult scripture. We have this difficult text. But it's also us recognizing the generations of faith and how difficult the faith has been in multiple times, and multiple phases. And what got us through was hope but hope of recognition of what God has done in the past, thus coming from our elders, thus coming from the wisdom, but also us being open enough to realize that young people are also talked about as they are the kingdom of God, having faith like a child. Thus this interaction on how we need both and need to be able to connect and need to be able to remember our past while walking forward and working together to do that, to be able to walk the faith, live the faith, and be and go where God is calling us to be. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.